Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off the cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Yes, that's right. Your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, are back at it. Uh, this one, the Leicester City match review. Not going to be fun, not going to be great. Uh, we're, we're actually in the process of throwing out a lot of distractions. I, for one, am wearing a very old throwback Umbro green kit, to which Nick was thoroughly confused by, so tactics are working. Look. Uh, not only does it look like a 1990s, early 90s Mexico shirt, it is your high school. Yeah. Shirt. You, you I were didn't not, wear it. You were not in southern Texas. You were in... <laughs> Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the school got hit with that derecho storm that we had in about August, and so they're fundraising, they're selling off all their old gear, and I'm a junkie for throwback retro stuff. So I have like three of these shirts, and I had to write them a check for a donation, so I'm hyped. I am hyped. Dan, completely distracted. Uh, I'm not sure if you've gotten the news yet on the West Coast, but uh, Chelsea didn't do so hot today. <laughs> Telegram. Yeah, I got the news. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think our friends at the LA Chelsea Blues uh, had a tweet out that was, hope nobody used their PTO time for this match. <laughs> no, my buddy. And, uh, whoo. Yeah, my, our buddy Eric texted me and he was like, oh, good thing I took off my night job today because this was worth it. And like, you just you just feel bad. The, the pain, the anguish, Dan, that comes with being a fan uh, was in full effect today. The pain muscle is fully flexed. That is true, and fully look, flexed. Being being a sports fan in general, unless you root, unless you're Dan and just root for all the all the winners all the time. Patriots, uh, it's, it's, Lakers is a losing proposition. Did, did you see the Patriots this season? Do, did we? Did yeah, we see the them? one. It was not good. The one. The one season, just to balance that out for you. Um, no, it's, it's a losing proposition. It's a losing proposition. It's a hard. It's a hard thing. Your team rarely wins. And it can be painful, but hey, we just love it. And that's why we're doing it. So buckle in. This is going to yeah. be fun. All right, Dan. Three-word match reviews over to you, sir. Some more great ones. This is getting good. Oh, we, we had over 200. And the, the, a lot of people had a lot of things to say today. So it was hard to pick just a few. 
There were a couple that were very punny that, you know, Mm. we know that people will enjoy. Uh, There were a couple that just spoke to the moment and uh, a few that, you know, just maybe were kind of the in jokes from the discord. But, you know, we brought them all in. Uh, Classic 86 with the Chelsea Foxing sucked. (laughs) Maybe you heard the fact that there was the one parent who kind of commented that they used the curse words in the show is a moment to say that's not the language that we use son Whoops. or daughter Te- um, teachable moments baby teachable, teachable moments, moments. <laughs> kieran with the chelsea get out foxed highlighting either that the, there's your pun uh chelsea usa won for fox sake that was a pretty popular big, one as big well. fan of that one yep nori hitting on the fact that fran kirby is electric <laughs> with the start fran kirby all that in been a good decision all in <laughs> uh michael with i am Polisic. After that result, we all, I think we all are. Uh, Garland with the stink, stank, stunk. <laughs> <laughs> Just building upon. And then Bert and B. Jonescu with hey! the combo. With the uh, Bert, don't call me Bert, cubed Bert. Uh, <laughs> not great Bob, followed by a not great Dan. And, not great uh, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that's it's pretty uh, pretty accurate for uh, for where the feelings fall. Well, speaking of feelings, Nick, I think that's only appropriate that we let you continue on to the host three word match review. Yeah, I mean, look, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of, of feels today, but I'm a, I'm a bit in my feelings right now. I won't lie. It's I think if you've been a Chelsea fan for for some time, this uh, this kind of feeling can occasionally creep into your season where you feel like the wheels might might be falling off and the manager might get sacked and there's a whole bunch of not great stuff happening. And, you know, this one, especially I'm in my feelings about, uh, so that's mine. Got it. All right. I've got, well, what's next? I don't, I don't want to talk about today. Is there anything else we can talk about? I will reach to anything and grasp any branch I can grab to avoid what's here, but we can't. So Dan, 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 what about you, Dan? Not enough answers. The, every match continues to just bring more and more questions along with it, which is not where we should be halfway through a season. And so that's my through word match review. Nada. We're there. I just realized we are officially halfway done with our matches. Unlike Aston Villa, who have only played about 25% of their matches. But for whatever reason, we're, we're halfway done. Uh, and they are not... Look, what we're going to be chatting about in this episode, right, is if you're coming here looking for answers, problems solved, ain't going to happen. All right? There's a and lot to talk about. An overwhelming This is talk therapy. Of- this is talk therapy. That's what this is. This is a collective piece of shit that we're all suffering through as supporters, and we must want to figure out what the feelings are, unpack them, and, and try to find some semblance of meaning in it all. And we're going to be responsible. We're not going to be, you know, like some of the other shows out there that are going to try and burn some stuff down. We're, we're going to be responsible about it, but it's, you know, there's some unavoidable topics in here. I mean, just frankly, get it. No. Ah, There's a pun. See, look, he's already bringing some joy to it. You're already uplifting the moment. All I got right. I got Brandon. If you're watching the YouTube, go look at that one. Brandon looked up from the text that he was sending to go, son of a son of a bee. That's I didn't not. send a text. I was looking at the script here. Because mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. gonna be talking about where are we at with Lampard. And then we're gonna little talk about does Lampard get sacked? And if he does, we can play the hypotheticals. What are the pros and cons of that decision? 
Uh, and then surprise, we're going to do a Q&A because we can't be bothered to talk about this for an entire 60 minutes. We just don't think that that is healthy or uh, how we should spend our time together, uh, Chelsea fans. So uh, real quick, a huge shout out to Peter, Randall, and Brennan for joining us on Discord. See ya in the server. Dan, a couple pod reviews and Apple Podcasts. Yeah, look, you know, t- take that energy, take that emotion and just go channel it into a fire five-star Apple podcast review like Eli did and like Anash uh, Perwani did. You know, they left some amazing five-star review in Apple Podcasts. They help people find the show and uh, reasonable Chelsea discourse, which is what we're all about. And so if you want to help somebody find that reasonable Chelsea conversation, five-star review in Apple Podcasts is the way to do it. All right. Well, here we go. It is the Leicester City match review. We played them in the Premier League this past Tuesday on the 19th of January at the King Power Stadium. Leicester City 2, Chelsea 0. We'll go ahead and kick it over to the fifth Chelsea's fifth stand app per usual to run through the goals. Obviously, they'll all be against us, but they do a great job of refreshing your memory on what happens. So again, go download the fifth stand app, the only official app from Chelsea FC. They let us put this in. So go download the app. It's only fair. Here we go. The first half of this most extraordinary Premier League campaign is completed tonight for both Leicester and Chelsea, two rivals with real modern history. Go head-to-head at the King Power Stadium. Here is Madison. They're looking to get the ball across. Oh, and the swing and a miss, and then eventually does come out and goes into the back of the net. Well, the strike eventually... Evades Mendy. Decent ball towards Castagni, come racing forward. He's got Vardy to his left-hand side. Tielemans up in support as well. Still Castagna. This is Madison on his left foot. Oh, it's the top of the crossbar. Terrific hit. Pulisic goes down. He's had a penalty. Referee thinks about it and gives it. There you see it, or Lapashin. It's not his foot that makes the contact. Oh, that is outside. Lisa, you're absolutely right. And he will make the run once again here. Only oh, lets it go, and eventually the shot goes in. Wonderfully taken. Madison just caressing the ball into the net. Plenty in blue getting forward. One of them is Barnes. Back towards Justin. He's missed one opportunity. Doesn't take it on. Might get another one here. The turn finds the back of the net. But the offside flag is up. Old Brighton denied. Tielemans is calling for it. Here is Tielemans. The first touch is good. The second, well stopped. Mendy just spreads. And that left boot. Yes. Low trajectory. Big chance taken. However, the flag was up. The shoulder of Werner, it's the shoulder of Tielemans. He's offside by a whisker. And it's the Foxes who take flight here. Chelsea have plenty of the ball in the second half, but could not find a way through. It has finished. Leicester 2, Chelsea nil. Disappointing result. What was your view of the performance? Played poorly. Um, from the first moments, and when you concede early, it makes it a lot more difficult, clearly. The poor defending. Ball goes in off the post, second one even worse for me. So two moments there that put you up a, up against it. And the, and the sharpness wasn't there. The lads, clearly, we're not playing at our best at the minute. We were playing well a month ago. We're not playing well now. Um, and we have to address that. Leicester are playing well and they beat us. Is that kind of the blueprint that you're looking for? You see a team in Leicester who are full of form. That's where we were a few, a few weeks ago. That, that's what we're going to try and get back to us. Yeah, and th- those are the rules of football. I was saying we're nine points behind Leicester now. Um, 
we were nine points behind them later on in the season last year. We finished above them. And that's football. Like, you know, you've, you come to clubs, they're not so confident and you're feeling good. You have a spring in your step, you get an early goal, you go ahead. We've been on that side of it. And when you're not, it's tougher. It's, that's football. You can't have it all your own way or have it with ease, particularly if you're in a position that we're in now. We're not a team that's sitting at the top of the league with experience. We've been there before. We know how it rolls. No, we've got younger players. We've got newer players. Um, so there's a good test for the squad at the minute. Talk a lot about fine margins. One minute in the first half, we think we've got a penalty. Next, it's a free kick, and then all of a sudden, they're two 0 up. Just yeah. seems like that kind of thing keeps happening to it, we're, we're in a moment where that happens, and you can't. It's hard to cry about it too much because, for me, the only way you correct that is by working hard and digging in. You have to accept things like that in the moment. Unfortunately, I've seen penalties given on the edge of the box recently. Ours was right on the edge on the line. I was disappointed it was overturned, but. When you're losing today, and as I say, Leicester were better than us, it's not worth shouting from the rooftops about decisions. You know very well from your playing days what a test of character it is for players when form dips like this. Do you see that character amongst the squad? Yeah, I do, but some of it is forming. Some of it is young players that haven't been here before. It's very easy for me to talk about my squads that I, that I was in or squads that came just after me with robust players that have been there and, and done it before. It took this club and I was there at the start of it a while to, to, to work and to fight and to become a, a team that won Premier Leagues and won Champions Leagues. That was a long time in the making and we're clearly not at that point uh, in the curve. We're with a, a players that are, are either were playing in the Championship a year or two ago or playing in a different league. Um, so when it, it's tougher when it comes to that but you have to take things on the chin, you have to stay positive, you have to work hard. It's exactly where the squad's at at the minute. Finally, we're at the halfway stage of the Premier League season now. You've been very consistent throughout in that you don't get too high with the high, don't get too low with the lows. We've seen, especially this season with it being so condensed, things can turn around really quickly. That, that's what the belief's got to be. Oh, it has to be that, and I'm disappointed. I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm a Chelsea person, no matter what. So I'm disappointed because I want this team to do well. I want the fans that are watching this or at home to be excited by the, the players that we have. Like we were a month ago, everyone was excited and, and in a positive direction. Now it feels very different, and I know how quickly football can change as you say so we're at a halfway stage where if we can put results together and it takes work takes work in training in the next three home games that we've got the, the picture will change very quickly it will change for us very quickly but after the result like tonight can't shout about that we have to get our heads down and work well the halftime scoreline held to the final whistle so at least you can say we drew the second half and deserved half a point dan lineup well, everyone many between the sticks, no surprise, but then that's where things started to change. We saw Rudiger again return into the lineup, keep his spot over Kurt Zuma next to Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell on the left, and Reese James, uh, apparently healthy enough to make a starting performance. We did see a midfield combination of Kovacic, Mount, and Havertz, and a attacking trio that included Christian Pulisic, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Tammy Abraham. Unused substitutes included Kepa Arikablaga, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, Cesar Azpilicueta, Emerson, Jorginho, Billy Gilmore, and two subs off the bench from Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. That's where we're at. Some interesting decisions there, I think, which we'll, we'll touch on. I, it was always going to be important to see how he came out after Fulham, because there were some discussions that maybe he was kind of looking past Fulham with that lineup in preparation for this one, but it didn't work out. Uh, Chelsea was 64.4% possession. I have a talking point on that later. Uh, we had nine shots, five on target. Pretty respectable, but then you had Lust with eight shots and six on target, which is fantastic. 
Uh, then from there, we had 25 tackles there, 19. We actually had 17 clearances there, 15. Haven't seen that in a while. Uh, they had six corners to R3. We had three offsides to their one. <coughs> Timo. <coughs> uh, three cautions, actually, to their one. And we conceded 16 fouls to their seven. Pretty, pretty sloppy. Um, okay, real quick, at Kaylee underscore graphics. I'm with the XG. Uh, 1.4 to 0.6, Leicester City over Chelsea. You don't get much out of this one. So, Nick, anyways, lineup, stats, XG, pick one, freestyle, go. I, I mean, it's something that uh, I watched the last uh, Leicester City game because I wanted to understand just, like, current form, how they were playing. There was some doubt heading into this game whether Vardy was going to play or not, and then, of course, he plays. Um, but Vardy at home is not the same – guys Vardy on the road they said that you know on, on the broadcast that uh, his shot conversion at home is eight percent or something like that it's really really low and a shot conversion on the road is 43 percent so what that tells me um is that Leicester Leicester are, are kind of like Manchester United but I think they play better football um they're a counter-attacking team they don't need to have the ball to be dangerous and my hope, and you know, if you if you listen to the Fulham review, my hope was that we were going to go in and sit in and try and make them have possession of the ball, or at least have more even possession of the ball, because I think they just are not that comfortable with the ball. And sometimes, you know, Dan's a Patriots fan. Belichick's whole thing is about you know taking away what you do well and making you do something that is uncomfortable and not native to to your skill set. It's a brilliant strategy, especially if you cheat and spy on people. Um, now, I really wish that we would have done something different in this match than what we did. But this obsession with pressing high possession football it really did us in again. And the two goals that we gave up, you know, one was kind of a fluky set piece from a midfielder that never scores a goal because that's our luck right now. And the other one couldn't have been a more clinical counterattacking opportunity and that's it that's the difference uh lesser was happy to give us possession james madison had some interesting quotes after the match we'll get in that a little bit but um my one point i wanted to pull out of the stats was the possession piece i think teams are happy to give us possession because they know the more we have the ball the more we stretch ourselves the more yep. imbalanced we become and we're not converting anything. So they're happy to give us the ball because they know there will be gaps in transition against us. So I think teams, you know, we've seen our possession go up because teams are, again, I think it's a tactic. They're going into these matches saying, give them the ball. They'll turn it over in a bad position. They're young and naive. They're going to get caught in transition and we run. And uh, that is to Nick's point, playing right into their hands. Uh, Dan, did you want to touch anything on that, or did you want to get into the Frank Out comments? <laughs> wow. Uh, well, we're unpacking the conversation. Um, I, I will say the Antonio Rudiger return to the lineup is one of the more curious decisions. You know, I think we've we've had a, we had a lot of chat about the wingers in in our Fulham review and where we maybe would expect to see certain players start or not start. Um, the Rudiger one just repeatedly after you know Zuma had been on such a good run of form had been a great partner to Silva has been one of our best aerial defenders, uh, and also attacking options when we did get corners. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought 
after Silva got that header that really went straight at Schmeichel and was a pretty easy save. Zuma probably has enough power on that and direction to make the same jump, get a little bit higher and convert an opportunity. And so just a little higher. (laughs) Yeah, just a touch. You know, he's only just, you know, a few inches taller. Um, But like that's. It's just one of those weird things. It's this goes back to the three-room match review. It's just another thing that there's no really good answer for, as to the the, the need for quote unquote leadership, the need for veteran heads. It just doesn't big personalities. Make sense. Yeah, like so. I, look again. Back to my tactics discussion again. Billy Gilmore should feel aggrieved looking at the way the midfield played tonight for not being in there. Like, it's not a hard thing to understand when you play a team with a counterattack, a team that presses, but not all the time. You know, Leicester doesn't go all out with their press, you know, like like Chelsea or City or any of these other teams do. That you need someone who's going to be in the midfield who can distribute the ball quickly and efficiently. We did not have that today. We got caught in the Kovacic run around until he can free himself up in space. And by then, the movement... Uh, in in your offensive motion is gone. It's just gone, and players are standing around like, "Where the hell is the ball?" Uh, it it is. It, it was just, uh, frankly, a weird lineup. I I don't know how else to to say it. There were some good additions. Obviously, Callum getting a start. You know, I think everyone was calling for that. <laughs> that would have been really harsh on Callum to not start after the Fulham game, uh, after what we saw. And the odd part is, I think everyone left Pulisic for dead heading into this match, and he got the start again. Um, so he's, he's, you know, Frank Lambert has shown faith in him. It's just a weird situation. Um, and you know, again, to Dan's no answers point, I don't have answers for some of these picks, Brandon. I mean, it is, it is a wild, uh, lineup card right now. Mm hmm. I don't, yeah, it's uh, the lineup is very much a part of the larger conversation. I'd say that, that we're probably going to have, and it comes down to kind of like Lampard and right now, all eyes are looking inward at Frank for many reasons, mainly because the manager is who's in charge of the team. And right now the team is on a dreadful, dreadful run of form. Um, the fact that we've lost three of the last five, and I think Dan, you even have some more stats in here where it's worse. A three in our last 10 Premier League matches. Um, we've beaten Fulham, Leeds, and West Ham. I mean, that, that West Ham, that was a long time ago. If we're going yeah. all the way back to West Ham, uh, we, we've we got problems. Well, so, includes losses to Arsenal, includes losses to City. Thanks, Dan. I mean, it's just that there's not, it is not a great, you know, lost to Wolves, right? There's a lot of matches in here and results that, look, you can feel aggrieved at times. You know, there were, were calls that we didn't get. There were terrible goals to give up and you know oh two shots and they end up getting getting a goal or whatever like Neto plays well in that Wolves game but at the end of the day like you have to be able to find a way forward through bad runs and to break the spell and the challenge is is we not we like there's no breaking this fever like everything that we've tried we are not breaking the fever at the moment and we are continuing being plagued by the illness uh as a whole so to your point right we have a few questions from our reasonable friends on Discord, Techie, Kate, Jeremy. You know, the funny one that Kate has is how many of your cats and nine lives are left for Frank? You know, if you almost say like every big loss is like a strike against him, 
how many how many more of these cuts can he survive, Dan? If we're looking at it that way, and and we're saying that we survive Fulham, albeit barely, but then the thing the thought was, well, he's saving up for Leicester, who are, it'll be a much bigger one. All right, there's the Leicester result. There's the Leicester lineup. Didn't survive it. Didn't look great. How many more strikes do you think Lampard can can survive? Do we think he'll go the whole season? Because that's not Roman's mo. Well, so I think one thing I want to say first is just Leicester are an amazing team this season. Like Brendan Rodgers is doing fantastic work with them. Matt Madison is having an unreal return to form. Uh, Vardy, you know, made made us look slow. And, and, you know, in terms of defense, I mean, he didn't really have any good shots in his last two matches, but, you know, he has been playing defenders out of position and giving a lot of other players in the team space. And Didi gets his first shot, <laughs> first shot on target since September. And it ends up being a goal versus us off the you know, off the bar in. It's just like, I mean, you know, the, there's plenty of things you could say, like, well, there's. Yeah, the, the challenge is there's not a lot of good underlying stats right now that make you feel comfortable and confident that there is an easy path to correction and rebounding from where we're at right now. And that is the probably the biggest challenge that, you know, Frank will have to have a serious conversation with Marina and I'm sure with Roman and to kind of say, well, like, here's the strategy for how we get back into this. And I know people will point to the table and they'll say, we're only this many points off this position. The season's been kind of crazy. We can still jump back in. But at you know, a certain point, you know, I think Chelsea as a board and as a hierarchy are going to have to think about like, what is the risk mitigation too? Like, yes, we are so close. And so there might be an opportunity to jump back into this at some point, but there will also be a point where mathematically we get eliminated from first and then from second and then from third. And then now you're, hoping to get, you know, backdoor your way into a Champions League spot or with the way the competition is this year, you could be, you know, grinding it out in the last match of the season for your Europa League spot. I I just, I mean, it's a lot of hard questions, I think, that don't have necessarily an answer, Nick, but I, I do think that there has to be a serious consideration or I imagine there will be a serious consideration about, like, what is the right way to move forward. Yeah, and look... I will. I'll say this. We'll 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 come back to it after the ad break. But th- this was really spurred on by a few weeks of you know projection by those in the know. Those you know you know like uh, at the Athletic, Simon Johnson went on Talk Sport on I think Sunday night and was on the the show and basically said like, hey, I I think it's it's not a matter of of if but when. He he and, did backtrack a little bit. He he did, and and look, he's not the only one. By the right. way, I know that he was getting a lot of flack, but like there are t- there's a lot of reporting on this. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a secret that Chelsea like to sack managers. It's not a secret that when Chelsea go in a bad run of form, that they consider their options. Like, it, you know, the fact that Simon was getting flack for saying something that's so obvious is is wild. Like I. I hold my position that I hope it's not true. I hope he turns it around. There are a lot of considerations to take under. We're going to try and do our best to sort through those after the break. And then, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully things turn around. <laughs> like, that's all I can say. It's, it's just hard. It's a hard conversation. It, it absolutely is. Um, and I think, I think what, um, 
we it, the hard part is also differentiating Lampard the player, Lampard the manager. Um, it's also hard to, you know, preach patience, but that's really not been Chelsea's key to success. So we'll look kind of around around us, but um, look, the, we it just kind of felt like we played right into Leicester's hand today. We know what they're good at. We played right into it. Like, why are we leaving Vardy one-on-one with the center back? Um, the press was off. There's just a lot of things that broke. So again, you know, it makes sense that a lot of people looking inwards at Lampard, who's supposed to set the team up for success, we're not seeing it. And then the other thing is we bought these big-name players. They they came to play Champions League football. I'm sure they have clauses in their contract about Champions League football. Um, but most concerning to me, which I'm going to let you ponder during the break, is we got fourth place last season. All right, we got top four with an inarguably worse team. New season, new players, new challenges, but we are quite off the pace. And so think about that. When we come back from the break after these sponsors who are generously financially supporting the show, we're going to keep this frank conversation going. Be right back. So that last question I threw out there is what I've spent the most time thinking about personally, Dan, is the fact that we are on paper a significantly better team. But for whatever reason, it's not clicking this season. Like nothing is clicking. So again, you can talk about that. I think the question is, do, do we... We can play the opinion game. Do we think Frank gets sacked? And I will just say before the end of the season. Because really it doesn't matter when, in my opinion, if it's tomorrow or April. If he gets sacked this season, the season's now in turmoil, whatever's left. Um, and then pl- you know, plenty to talk about. So do you think he's going to get sacked before the end of the season? Not should he. I think... Right, yeah, not should. I- so I think the calculus will be, this is, you know, through the just kind of trying to come up with what the answer is. I think if the club see that there's no path forward for a piece of silverware, regardless of table position, like we have a very comfortable draw in the FA cup to potentially run into that and get to a final and maybe get a trophy that way. Um, We have not played our champions league matches against Atletico Madrid yet. Um, They are playing extremely well this season though. So (laughs) that that looks to be a pretty difficult uh, challenge. Um, And we we do have some matches, you know, coming up that you would argue are, are very winnable. And so I think the club has to evaluate, like, do we think we can get to the end of the season, be in the mix for a top four spot, win a trophy still, and if they can get a plan that they feel confident from Frank, that like he is going to be able to make that happen for him, I, I think it does not make sense to move on from where we are today. Now, on the flip side, if he has that conversation with them and he's like, we do not see what you're going to change. You know, what are you going to do tactically different? What are you going to do with your player selection? You know, because that seems to be very questionable at the moment, match to match and who's coming in and who's coming out and when you're making subs in a match and how many subs are you using? Because if you're not using all three subs in this point, when you know matches are getting canceled and rescheduled and, you know, you have actually a break, multiple day break between now and the next match to get players rest and not using them, that feels like a a failure. (laughs) Um, Well, and and, everyone played terrible. So it's not like you have a bunch of really high performers out there. Right. Like. 
and and you know it's another thing we've talked about with with, with Joe Tweeds and other our friends. Like we look t- more tired sometimes after we play a match, you know, every six or seven days than we do when we play a match like every two to three days. And so, like just the the training regimen. What what are the things that are going to functionally change to allow us to be competitive again? Because right now we're not a competitive side. Like I, I think that is the reality of the situation is we are not going out to these matches and looking like we are there to compete at the level even of a Fulham. You know, Fulham looked way better in that match than we did for vast swaths of the match. And it was only thanks to a goalkeeping error and Mason being ready to to kind of knock it back in that we even walked away three points in that match. That could have been a draw. Uh, this could have been a 4-0 win for Leicester very easy. I think if Frank cannot convince them that there is a path forward and Chelsea, like Chelsea do, see a shinier object out there, they see a... a a two troll available, like he's the one. And I know Nick, you are not like super excited about that as an option, but I think that's, you know, Chelsea's history is if they see someone that can make a more compelling case that they think is going to help fix or change the problem, they would, they might, they might twist. Yeah, I mean, look, do we think he's going to get sacked at this point today? I think you'd be crazy if you didn't think the club were considering it. Uh, like, uh, was, Look at the history. It's not just my opinion. It's what they've done to the 15 or so other managers that have existed in the last 20 years. Like, this is the MO of this club. And as crazy as it makes me at times, it's been successful. Right? You cannot doubt the 17 trophies that we've won in that period of time. So, you know, it... It's a it's a real catch twenty two. I think the the hard part I'm having, and, and you know we were uh, uh, was trading voice texts with Tweeds earlier, just in a state of panic because I just felt so bad. You know I I didn't feel good, and the thing I said to Tweeds is like, look, the club have bought tickets and a lot of tickets on this crazy train that we're on. And that crazy train means sacrificing long-term planning and execution in a lot of ways, not always, but in a lot of ways, for short-term success. And it's worked. It's worked. The problem that you have, though, if you're the club and one bad patch of form comes up is your fans, your supporters, your season ticket holders are conditioned to expect you to do something about it. And... That is a really, really hard place for them to to go because, look, you're never going to have a more popular manager than Frank Lampard at the club. It will never, ever happen again. You you bought a, a golden ticket with Frank, who was about the only person who would have accepted that job in 2019, by the way. Like, think about that for a second. Yeah. So I I know Brandon like I'll pass it to you in a second. I see where I know where you're gonna go. No, you got you got me thinking though too. You're right. It's a super fair point. Keep going. So you're on this crazy train. You bought these tickets. What's the so you fire him? Okay. So you make the move. Let's play the scenario out. You you buy you know you buy this contract. You you know him and Jody and and uh, you know the whole staff are gone. Then what? Tuchel. Uh, okay, I guess for what another season and a half, and and then what? You know, it it it's not. You know, I hope I hope it's not coming off as like flippant here because I know these are hard decisions, but 
there aren't that many good managers left, man. <laughs> like, there really aren't. It, there, it's a low stock of really quality managers out there who could take Chelsea to a Champions League winner level. Seriously, think about it. Well, I think the other thing, too, and, and this is something that we don't think about. Or, and you know, I was listening to an NFL podcast at GM Street and has a former NFL GM who talks about like the economics of situations, too, right? Chelsea, our business, like let's, we happen to be a football club that also, you know, is a primary form of uh, attracting those dollars. There is also a financial implication when you sack a manager and you sack his staff, when you bring someone else in that will also be considered. And after paying out for Mourinho uh, multiple times, after paying out uh, for Antonio Conte, uh, after, you know, mutual leaving with Sari, but I'm sure there were some, you know, dollars involved there to please, kind of finalize that please to all those clapping back at me that sorry wasn't sacked give me a fucking break dead man walking was a <laughs> we all knew what was happening there give me a break but, but like uh, but i mean this this is another thing right like so i mean that's why and you know, i think that the tutorial thing you know is, is kind of a common is it going to be a common affiliation right like he, he was scouted previously by the club Anytime the club are going to make a decision like this, they have already had conversations, right? They, whether it's through an intermediary, whether it's through an agent, you know, most likely Tuchel has talked to someone like a Marina or a proxy for Marina or a Roman about what he would do with the club. It would most likely have happened. And he's on a free. Like you look at some of the other, you know, con, you know, managers that people like, oh man, Hassan Hoodle would be great. Yeah. Hassan Hoodle, you know, managed the Southampton who are playing really well right now, who can vie for a top four spot. Um, and he's not going to leave midway through. And knowing our history, a lot of managers aren't going to want to come for, you know, an 18-month appointment. It's That is the catch fucking 22, Dan. I don't know. They get paid well. They get paid well. It's, it's the joke I made with Tweeds earlier, though. You should offer the most absurd, lucrative six-month contract in the history of football and see who bites on it. Because that's essentially what you're doing. Right, Brandon? Like, to me, Hassan Hoodle... Survived a 9-0 thrashing. Could you imagine a Chelsea fan base, let alone the board, 9-0? There would have been marches in the streets. Like it's, it's a difference in conditioning. And, of course, Chelsea are conditioned to win. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not playing down the success that we've had. I just want to know what the long-term plan is. And if there isn't one... That's fine. I just think you're going to run out of people who want to work for you. Well, I mean, obviously, super loaded there. Lot, I mean, lots I, mean of... I will take the job on a lucrative six-month contract. I don't think you want me, though. That is no. Not... I bet you would. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably fair of you to, to really kind of walk away from that, that opportunity for the good it's of nice the It's nice of you to offer, though. I'd be uh, walking through a wall for that opportunity, but no one would want me. Yeah. Um. Well, kind of where I'm coming from this and, and everything too is I always think that, you know, Chelsea is still a very lucrative place because of the players that we do have, um, because of the the financial position the club are in. Um and and I think that that helps, right? And um what what is hard is that we've been accustomed to winning. And th- and that's what we've kind of prided ourselves on our DNA is we win at all costs. Chelsea don't accept mediocrity. And that's why I've been able to point at clubs like Arsenal and say, like, that's terrible. Like, we would never let ourselves get there for multiple years. 
of course we've had our down years, but when you when you gamble the way Roman does, you're you're gonna br- crash and burn every now and then. But he somehow lets it rebuild and we're right back at it. You know, he's avoided obviously. a lot of it. He's avoided a lot of the bad stuff. To be fair to him, right? yeah. So your point going back to last year when like Lampard was one of the only people who would take the job, like from what we heard, that was actually pretty accurate. Like people talk about Max Allegri, but he couldn't sign anyone. All big name managers like Mourinho, Pep, checkbook managers because they've earned it. You know, they can say, if you want me, you have to go get my players because if you get my players, I'll deliver. And they do. So in comes Frank you know, have ups and downs all season. Uh, he seems to learn some lessons and we, look, we get through, uh, in top four this season, you know, reinforced with, uh, you know, players, Ben Chilwell, um, Kai Averts, Timo Werner, super, super exciting. Tiago Silva, Edwamendi, a lot of movement, right? We're moving and shaking. No one's doing it this summer. Chelsea, Hey, we're we're flexing that financial muscle. Thank you, Eden Hazard, for baby. all that money. Let's go. Right now, we had a we had an unbeaten run of seventeen games. Now we have a three and ten win, and that's the problem. Is we're nine points off Leicester, who at the top of the table. Eight points off United, who have a game in hand. Six points off City, who have two games in hand. Five points off Liverpool, who have a game in hand. Four points off Spurs, who have a game in hand. Three points off Everton, who have two games in hand. Three points off West Ham, who are one of our three wins. <laughs> and we're level with Southampton. And we're talking about Hasenhutl at this point. And they have a game in hand. And we're three points out of Villa, who have four games in hand. The context of where we're at is, is tough. We were in and around it like all last season, hanging on by a thread. Now we are we have significant ground to make up. Not impossible, but not great. We are the team who's played all their matches and are in a bad position. There are other teams that are in a bad position but have games in hand that can quickly catch them up. It's not a situation that we're comfortable as a fan base nor should we have to be because we haven't really been in a situation like this. And again, I just wonder if it wasn't Frank Lampard with the manager being gone, but this wasn't a January transfer window like a normal January transfer window. That that knife cuts both ways, though, right? It, it's it's part of the thing that I've been kind of wrestling with internally, right? Like, yes, Frank Lampard has a low points per game as Chelsea manager. Those are the facts. Those are the stats. They say the numbers are what they are, and I like numbers. But I don't know if that tells the whole story. AVB, you know, who who Lampard is now, you know, infamously aligned with on points per game, which is tough. Right. It's a tough look. You know, AVB was a very unpopular manager at Chelsea. AVB did not have to deal with a global pandemic that shut down Premier League football for months on end. AVB had a transfer window open to him at any point that he wanted it. And... AVB did not have to rely on youth players to to get him into a position to be in an FA Cup final and uh, to finish in the top four. In fact, we were on a trajectory to not finish in the top four when AVB, AVB was sacked. And then we went on a miraculous run and it was the best thing that ever happened to us. And that's why we love sacking managers because it can change everything and it can reinvigorate the old guard and it can do all that stuff. I'm not saying that we shouldn't 
you know, the collective fan base shouldn't consider what happens when Frank leaves or if Frank leaves. I'm not saying that Frank doesn't deserve to leave at this point. Some of his, you know, post-game quotes today were really tough to to listen to. I'm just saying, if you look at the situation, Dan, and you look at where he came in last year, this is why context is so important and why I always hearken back to it. He came in, was one of the few guys who would have even taken the damn job, integrated youth into the team efficiently and effectively for the most part, and achieved what we considered the bare minimum last year, which was we were in a final and we finished top four in the midst of all the other bullshit that was happening. Yes, it has not gone well this year. You have me. If you're looking at stats, you got me. Dead to rights. I just do not understand what the plan is if he goes and you hire another temp and you hire another interim and you do that. Like, just show me what the plan is and I'll be okay. But that it just strikes me as very odd and upsetting. I think the problem is, though, is, is that when you listen to the way that Frank talks about what the solutions are, which is, you know, better individual play and, and working harder and going after it with a higher level of intensity, which is all fine, right? When you watch the pitch today, it's very clear that there were individual errors. That's, that's been a, a very common Chelsea, you know, an endemic issue inside the squad. When you have, you know, players who just, don't look like they know what to do with one another, whether it's due to the, their lack of playing time with each other, um, because there have been successive injuries this season, which is another kind of problem. Some of that coming from training. Like there, there's, there's a lot that you love about Frank Lampard and what he does. There's a lot that is a mystery to me in terms of how he potentially can go and fix this, right? And you talk about this idea of like, well, we've had other managers in the past, right? They're, they've been able to rely upon potentially similarly experienced or other individuals. And like we had Eddie Newton last season, you know, inside Frank's managerial. Like we, we had Steve Holland previously as mm-hmm. a, as an option for our managers. Right now, there is there is no one in that room, I think effectively, who is outside a sphere of conversation that isn't one that has been generated by Frank Lampard, Joni Morris, Joe Edwards, the Chelsea Academy, the Chelsea Training Ground. Even Barry, you know, came in because Frank knew him, right? You know, and the whether they, they you know, maybe that's where an injection could be made in terms of some type of second in command who is not. Jody, who could give a little bit of a different thinking, who could come up with different kind of training regimen to try and get this squad playing together as a team in a better capacity and better fashion. But at that point, you know, if that help is being refused or if that's not an option, like then there's no there's no reason to consider it. You should just change the manager because then you're not getting what you want in terms of a total output. Because the other thing that is concerning, Brandon, is that you you did buy all these players. You did have players who were performing well at the end of the restart or, you know, even in the beginning of the season who have regressed significantly. And, you know, one or two regressing out of form, you know, that would be very questionable, right? Like we, we have seen, you know, Chilwell looked awful today. Like this is the, you know, and he has kind of gotten a little bit more progressively worse, progressively worse. You know, Polisic has looked completely off of it, you know, coming off his injury. And even before that, like, you know, Werner has been off. Like you... To have all of those players off is just not a good look either. Like it's a really that to me is another concerning factor that we haven't talked about yet. But when you're talking about evaluating what your decision is, 
if the club are thinking about it as a business, players are an investment. And you've invested a ton of money into players to get the most out of them this season. And they are not performing um, as you would hope. And that's what brings us to where we are. Look, again, (laughs) the problem is, gentlemen, we've proven that this is a really difficult problem. We've proven that it's not as simple as saying fix set pieces, fix defensive transition. We've got to fix mentalities. We've got to fix a lot of things. Um, and, and Frank's in a weird spot right now um, with some of the quotes, you know, better beaten by the better team. Too many of our players didn't do the basics. Um, says their team looks like they're out of form. But at the end of the day, um, they a lot has to be fixed, unfortunately. And that's the biggest concern is how much longer will it take him to continue to learn because he's a young manager, continue to improve the Premier League's cutthroat, you, right, you, right or wrong. You have two paths. You stick with the young gun until he gets it right and suffer what could be a couple, you know, it could be a bad couple of years. I mean, like, really could be, you know, just with the way the league is trending and the players that you have at your disposal. Like, you would hope that they would turn it around this year, and I would expect that they would at some point. I don't believe Kai Havertz and Timo Werner are going to play this bad forever. I can't believe that. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense uh, strategically. It doesn't. But you have a bunch of guys who are underperforming. I think where I have criticized Frank recently, and, and this is coming from the what's your plan pro Frank guy over here, is I think the quotes have been have been tough. What, what, do, you, what do you mean they weren't mentally prepared? What do you what do you mean, you know, that you, you tactically didn't know what Lester were going to do today? Like, what do you like I, I, that that to me, though, those questions, those quotes tell me that he's he's had it. He he's tried to communicate and has not effectively communicated, hasn't got the response. And if you were looking at like the the pro side of the argument, right? Which is, you know, what you're kind of discussing some pros and cons here. I've I've mostly contributed to the cons per usual, but the pros are, you haven't got a response out of these guys. You know, Mason's giving you a response. Sure. You know, uh, Callum recently is giving you a response. Maybe not so much today, but recently, you know, uh, Mendy, I think played, you know, it could have been four or five mil today. If not for Mendy, that's a you know, decent save percentage. I I wonder about the men, like what's going to change the mentality in this team because they looked defeated after the first goal went in, and that just can't – that's not Chelsea. That's not Chelsea at all. When you – you know, the other comments today that really struck at the heart of the issue is Madison talking after the match in his post-game press conference, and he's being interviewed, and he said, yeah, you're, we kind of know that – Chelsea, you know, fall asleep a little bit on corners and we thought we could get something there. And, you know, we got the short corner routine. Plus it goes to try to take a two on one to try to close somebody down. We should have had an extra person there. And they were able to convert off a a little bit of a rebound, but they converted a chance there. And so, you know, they knew exactly how to attack us and to find the way forward. And it it wasn't hard for Lester. It was not, we did not make it difficult for them in any capacity today. And that 
when you have other sides who feel that comfortable playing against you, that is a concern that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah, I, like, again, play out my scenario, Brandon. You know, to, you know, while you're listening to this podcast, the club announced that Frank has been released, right? The challenges that an interim manager faces in this scenario are a lot. It's not like they're being handed a, a key to an, an easy road down the, the fixture list. I mean, it's a shortened, condensed schedule. You have a bunch of players without confidence, and you're expected to do great things. Good luck. There it is. So what do you do? I mean, you have a deep playing staff. They're just not playing. I think the problem is that I'm not saying players aren't playing for Frank. I'm just saying that he's got a bad game plan. You bring some of the experience, you know, from what I've heard um, from different people I've talked to is the first thing they do is they come in and they simplify things, right? Like Frank has some rules. It's not the most strict environment, but it's more strict than It's not others. Conte, but it's not sorry. Right. He's smack dab in the middle. So you, you loosen some rules, maybe lower some fines. You, you give him a little room to breathe because things are tight right now. Um, and you just set the team up to kind of, you just kind of let them go. You, you get a free hit, essentially, the first game they're in charge. And then you, 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 you start from the back and you work your way forward again. You say, we just can't lose. Just don't get beat. And I think if Chelsea had less possession and forced other teams that could come at us, it's actually a strategy to get them to become imbalanced and out of shape. But right now, we're just doing it for teams. So I think... My the thing the concern is that an experienced manager would be able to clean up a lot of these things fast because the list that of things that need to be cleaned up are are long and lengthy. But um, I I that's Chelsea's gamble. Chelsea's gamble is could someone with experience do better with the players that Frank has than what he's doing right now? And that's always and if they ever feel like the answer is yes and Frank's not meeting expectations, I think for this club it's an easy decision. Yeah, I mean like. On the other side, because I agree with what you just said, I think those are the the that would be the edict of an interim manager, or you know, full time manager, whoever it is. You're gonna have to figure out a way. Like at this point, the academy in the first team integration is done. You're gonna have to figure out a way to keep that investment that Roman has put in over the years going. If you come in and do and, and ignore the academy after everything that we've been through over the last handful of years, I mean, the support is going to be all over you. It's going to be crazy. So you're going to have to figure that out, that dynamic, even if that's not your your better instinct, Dan. And then you're going to figure out how to turn a lot of players' confidence into a positive asset for them again. That's a more that's a higher challenge. I think that's a sports psychology level challenge. Is how do you get Timo Werner to not be scared of goal? How do you get Kai Havertz, you know, to believe that he can be pre-COVID Kai Havertz, which is not an easy thing to do. People struggle with post-injury depression a lot. You know, it's a hard thing to do. And this was an unforced injury because COVID spread so rapidly. I I just I think there are going to be a lot of challenges for this person should they come in. And the expectations don't lower because you're coming in in January. They actually raise. Oh, no. 
it, it, it's going to be a, it's a hot seat for Frank right now. A replacement, interim or permanent, it would be a hot seat for them too. And it's just it's the nature of of being Chelsea. It's the nature of being a manager in the Premier League. The demands are almost undeliverable in all capacity. You will not make everybody happy. A lot of people are going to hate you for even doing a, a okay job, and that is what you accept. And so, yeah, um, that's why none of us uh, pursued a career in uh, professional coaching uh, because you know we already have enough grace, so we don't need any more. Um, but yeah, in, I mean, I, I think thick. look at that. It's going to be a tough decision either anyway you slice it. I think ultimately, you know, the club makes usually the right decision. In these type of scenarios, the success is, you know, well documented and well found. You invested in players. It's just going to be, it's going to be really crappy if it does go that way, right? You know, I think that's the thing. You know, it's hard. You know, as much as we talk about, it, it's hard. You know, separate the manager from the player. It's going to be super hard. It's going to be sad. I think this was what uh, you know. Many of the uh, longtime Chelsea writers, uh, journalists who are also. Uh, Maybe some closet Chelsea fans. Uh, <laughs> some not naming not so names, but you know who you Chelsea are. Chelsea fans. Uh, you know, it's going to be sad when it happens. And uh, But, I mean, Frank had to consider that as an inevitability of his appointment. And so that's where we're at. We don't have an answer today on what happens tomorrow. Just that, you know, like anybody, you know, we want answers. The club is going to want answers. And Frank needs to give answers both in confidence to the you know the club and confidence to the players and the results have to improve if they don't improve decisions will be made all right did we <laughs> comprehensively we covered cover i think, we, I think we voted all right a little levity shall we uh lightning round a little q a just to change the mood hard pivot i can't i can't sit on that too much so uh, some some funny ones here. We'll keep it short. Uh, Gabriel on Discord saying, if one of the other pod hosts was abducted by aliens and replaced an imposter, how would you tell and how would you handle it? The biggest question I think is, who would it be most obvious that it wasn't themselves? And I don't know if that means who has the biggest personality, but I do feel like it's probably Nick. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I think if... <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's just got so much joy for life and you know if you if you weren't able to pick up on that you would you would very quickly understand that it wasn't him how would you tell you'd be Boy. friendly you'd yeah. greet us, you, you <laughs> greet us friendly yeah, i'd come in like, hello my friends what a wonderful day guys unbelievable all uh, right well he's been kidnapped so yeah that was easy i appreciate uh, that thank you gabriel <laughs> Dan, I think he's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Nash saying, please discuss Christian Pulisic's new GQ photo shoot. Oh, oh boy. Does he boy, look like boy. fire or like a piece of lint with no swag? Yikes. <laughs> the Discord really needs to, this to be settled. Looking at the pod's fashion expert, Nick Verlaney, to have the final say on this. Well, <laughs> Nick jo- Verlaine. <laughs> joke's on you, Big Nash. <laughs> Nick. Um, mm. um, I... I I thought it was Photoshop when I first saw it. Oh no, <laughs> that's a that's a bad start to this conversation. Yeah, I, I was like, wait, is that him? Elizabeth called him a white Drake. Is what he looked like in one of the photos. <laughs> oh no, no, uh, look, it wasn't great. Uh, I I am not ill timed. 
I, I'm not I'm not the pod's fashion expert, but I I will say this: the if you if you've researched your American soccer player photo shoots in history, there's an infamous pre 2002 mm-hmm. World Cup. Uh, shoot where Landon Donovan is um, aggressively and, uh, you know, many other adverbs drinking out of a water fountain mm-hmm. that brought immediate comparisons to this photo shoot of Christian alone in a weird room with a kind of weird couch and some interesting fashion choices that I'm sure are cool. I just, personally am uh too fat and uh and not stylish enough to pull off i'm sure i'm sure someone in the internet's like damn what a g um it's a it's an interesting look but again i don't understand high fashion dan which makes this a a hard conversation to have on the podcast yeah it wasn't helpful that it was timed against this match it's going after it was done in october yeah, like, they, they sat on this way too long because uh, this this is not coming out at the appropriate time when it's talking about one of the world's best. Uh, this is not yeah. this is not the right release schedule for this article. <laughs> if he was on a roll, if he was on a roll like this summer, if they would have done this this summer, people would have been like, swag. This dude's killing it. Yeah. Eight goals, four assists, six games. Incredible. The next and it's just like. You pick the worst. He just lost the ball 10 times. Like, come on, guys. Like, (laughs) it's like the Madden curse to be in in GQ. It's terrible. Uh, Bummer. Bummer for him on that one. Yeah. Poor poor timing. So not great. Uh, Vanilla Gorilla saying, what is your favorite cereal? Did not see that. It's probably Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's like the easiest one to go to. Always all reliable. But honestly, do you eat cereal? No, not usually. I actually don't ever usually have breakfast. So I'm in the same boat. So I'd say if I got to choose back to my my young days, I did like Golden Grams, Ooh. a little bit of a zig. Okay, okay. Um, um, and Apple Jacks were kind of my go-tos back in the day. So. Apple Jacks. Yeah, you know. What? I didn't say you're not Get Apple or Jackie. Like what? <laughs> this. Yeah, that's, those those were those were cardboard Fruit Loops to me. Those were not. Those were not it for me. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, a weird, I don't know if this was everywhere, but it was certainly in the Midwest, uh, Waffle Crisp. Mm. Do you guys oh, yeah, remember no, Waffle Crisp? I remember Crisp? Waffle Crisp, yeah. Okay. That, that was a really good one, and it was just like, you know, per, I don't know. It was great. Um, Lucky Charms were always solid. Um, and then what was my, God, what was my go-to? Like right now, it's like Honey Nut Cheerios because I'm a, an adult. If I had to eat a cereal, it'd be like Honey <laughs> Nut Cheerios. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> uh, you know, get some fiber and gluten-free, uh, you know, whatever into your, into uh, your He system, really but, is an uh, alien because he's calling himself an adult. <laughs> yeah. And if you if you know me, that's uh, not accurate. But the, yeah, I think I think now it's Honey Nut Cheerios probably. All right, all right. Well, that sounds good. Um, uh, what are everyone's hobbies from Miles? Uh, it's a pandemic, Miles. You're, we don't have hobbies. Well, you're listening to it first of all, so thanks also, for the thanks for the question. True. Primary yes. hobby: uh, yelling at FIFA is a really good hobby. Ever hmm. heard of it? Yeah, I, I didn't buy this one. I just I couldn't couldn't handle it. Um, a hobby. Brandon's a workout fiend. 
He's a fitness fellow. Dan Dan's a foodie when he can be. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to do that right now. But yeah, I do. I've been yeah. doing a lot of cooking. I don't know if it'd be a hobby or just an essential requirement to survival. But as you can tell, we're not. I don't. I don't have any collections. Well, you, you know the fine line between hobby and essential elements of survival are just so thin. It's just yeah. a real fine line. You know. Yeah. I don't know. No. No. No model plane sets or anything like that. Unfortunately for me. Um. Aerith Muggle being super introspective per usual saying, please share with us something positive you're looking forward to in 2021, a year I hope is not a cousin of the hellhole we have been enduring. Uh, yeah, love the attitude, Shane. Uh, it's going to be tough on the execution, buddy. Uh, 19 days in. Um, but one thing I'm looking forward to in 2021 is I, I do think this pandemic will be behind us uh, at some point this year, knock on wood heavily. Uh, and the the one of the most exciting things I'm looking forward to is actually getting back to safely watch a match of football in London um, mm-hmm. and, and getting to see a lot of friends stateside and abroad that I uh, just haven't been able to see. I miss my friends. I miss my friends. Uh, I stole yours, Dan. Sorry. Come up with something else. Oh, I think that's a great one. Um, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities right now across uh, the U.S. at least um, to volunteer at places like uh, COVID vaccine distribution locations um, to help get that to people who need it. Um, here, here. We are we are volunteering this weekend um, to help kind of move this forward, and so um, I'm I'm looking forward to to that um, becoming readily available and getting to as many people as need it, so that uh, the path we're on can uh, change a little bit here oh man oh, oh an inauguration tomorrow <laughs> or when Enjoy today when you're that. listening to it <laughs> uh well i i look forward to hugging my mom again i it, it, like you know not to be too sappy about it but that you know the holidays were were challenging for a lot of people who weren't able to like go home and see family like that's a huge look ahead for me you know Get, getting the vaccine will be a huge look ahead just to feel in control of life again at, at some level. Um, I, you know, the, the other day there was a bunch of football on and, you know, my normal mode in January, you know, especially after a tough couple of weeks of work would be, you know, the boys go out and we have a, a day sesh, you know, and, and have a, a handful of drinks, a, a large handful uh, for, for three games in one day. And we just hang out and and laugh and be around each other and like that camaraderie, man. I will never take that for granted again. But that's mm-hmm. that's a huge positive to look forward to. I mean, it, it really is. And so it's it's that kind of stuff that gives me hope that I'm you know that we're we're kind of hopefully nearing the end of the worst of this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, if we're able to make the London again in 2021, just cherry on the on the icing for me. Watch I mean, out. Be, <laughs> yeah, you're, your boy your boy is going to rip it up. Um, mm. you better you better believe in every way possible. So, um, I may I may give Chidge a run for his money on the drinking uh, in, <laughs> in that in that day. So, book we'll your tickets with us now. Well, speaking of drinking, um, yeah, Janescu is back saying the correct way to drink whiskey, ice or no ice. Whatever way you like. Oh, there, there is no proper way. Like there, there are some really nice bourbons that I've had sans cube that are just better enjoyed alone. Um, a lot of different whiskeys, by the way. So it's a huge. There's a huge palette that you're offering yourself there. But 
uh, I'm a part of this uh, Facebook group that's essentially like just bourbon lovers and like the predominant uh, theory, Dan, that I've learned in this group is just enjoy what you like. Like who mm-hmm. cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the school of massive cubes or spears. There's the people who use like the, the stones uh, so that you mm-hmm. don't dilute it. There are the people who put a couple drops in because they like the dilution of it and it doesn't cool it. It's all personal preference. I mean, it really is. You know, don't let someone shame you into like not enjoying it the no. way that you like. You know, you don't like. I mean, I prefer it a little chilled, so I throw a Cuban. Like that's just who I am. But you know, I mean, you might not like it that way. There are also plenty of times that Nick and I have gotten just a straight pour neat and enjoyed it that way too. But you know, it all is just you know, what do you prefer? The important lesson is keep drinking, and everything will be better. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Chelsea fans, responsibly, responsibly, at least with friends. Enjoy it. Uh, we're going to wrap up on that one again, a, a very much a podcast of, of two tales in this one. Uh, you're probably going through a lot right now of thoughts and questions and, you know, playing out a lot of scenarios. So, uh, that's okay. Uh, you know, you don't have to cling on to someone saying everything is right or wrong. Uh, it's, it's complex. And so, um, if you want, you can join our discord, a lot of people working through it, uh, safe, healthy environment. Uh, otherwise we're on social media as well. We'd always love to chat with you. So, uh, that's going to wrap us up. Um, couldn't really be bothered to do the table and what's next (laughs) and everything else, but it is Luton town in the FA cup this weekend. So, uh, maybe a change of pace is good for all of us. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.